Hello and welcome to another episode of CBO Speaks. I'm your host, Donna Sheely. Today, I am happy to talk with Sharuz Rufpafar. He is the Vice President of Administration and Finance at Humboldt State University. Sharuz, welcome and thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Donna. I'm really excited. I am excited too. So, wow, there is no doubt that you have had to make some major shifts with your role in the last 18 months, as we all have had to do. But Sharuz, what would you say are some of those major changes recently in terms of your role? Uh, in terms of my role as a CFO in general, how that that's kind of evolved, mm-hmm. uh, I would say uh, lately the, the role has become more uh, risk management focused because of the pandemic. Uh, and staying on top of uh, state and federal regulations and, and, and mandates that are coming out, uh, as well as uh, the human resources aspect of it for ensuring that uh, your, 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 your workforce is, is comfortable when they return to work and that creating that comfortable environment for them uh, and, and, and their peers when they are rejoined in the, in, in the workplace. Well, you know, if you had to, if you had a time machine, let's say, and you could go back, let's say, 12 months or so, what advice would you give yourself, you know, knowing knowing what you know now, um, would you give yourself about maybe about a year or so ago? Buy AMC stock. <laughs> That's funny. Now, um, if I had to go back, if I, well, if I had the ability to go back 12 months ago, um Quite honestly, I, I would say prepare for uh, the the hurdles with rolling out a vaccine mandate mm-hmm. uh, and rolling out a uh, attestation mandate and all that comes with it. And quite honestly, I've been in this position since May. So 12 months ago, I would have been in my former position uh, at a community college district in uh, southwestern Arizona at Arizona Western College. So being there, I, I would have also been telling myself, be prepared. But Arizona is a different climate than California. Oh. Uh, and so the, the drive there uh, culturally for masking and vaccinating is not as uh, much as the drive is in California towards masking and, and vaccinating. So uh, mm-hmm. it, it would have been a completely different conversation with myself. But yeah. here, I believe if I was here still, the conversation would have been uh, be prepared for uh, the the masking mandates and the and the vaccination mandates, uh, and really look better at the forecasting and budgeting of those CARES funds that mm-hmm. were coming in from the federal government to make sure we stretch them to reach as many students as possible. I'm sure there's lots of hurdles in that because that's new for you as well as you're trying to you know make those mandates for your for your staff and your students so i know that's something you're working out as you're going through it is it's like a process as you're working through right absolutely and and we're not necessarily making the mandates uh it's we're 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 putting them into play uh right. as mm-hmm. the the states and the counties roll them out uh mm-hmm. but it is it, it it truly is a a, a tightrope uh, to make sure that individuals' rights to privacy are still respected, uh, mm-hmm. as well as the greater public health need of uh, masking and and encouraging vaccinations and testing regularly uh, for those that that for one reason or another are not vaccinated. 
Wow. And so, you know, you've been in higher education administration for some time now. I know this is a new role where you are now, but you've been doing this since 2009, correct? So is is there a particular challenge where if you had a do-over card in in all of your years, would you take it? What would you do? Tell us something about that. If you had to do something over. You know, I've always been a uh, of the mindset that, that you have to turn every crisis into an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's hard for me to say which crisis didn't necessarily turn into the best opportunity. Right. Um, but I would say if, you know, I started out my career in, in private for-profit higher ed. Okay. Uh, and if, if I could change one thing, uh, it would probably be, uh, taking advantage of, of the opportunities to, to be more involved in the student college going experience earlier in my career. Mm-hmm. Then when I came into the public sector and in the community college district and here at Humboldt, uh, we're very involved in making sure our students have that college going experience. Mm-hmm. So I would say if I could do one thing over, it would be uh, in the private for profit sector, working more towards uh, investment and, and innovation for the student college going experience. Can you elaborate more on that? I think that's really important to talk about the, you know, success of our students, the students. And so talk a little bit more about how you're doing that and what you're doing now. The college going experience uh, for, for those of us that have gone and we can always look back and think about those enjoyable memories that we mm-hmm. had in undergrad and grad. And, and really just making sure that those experiences are still resonant within the campus culture, but adapting to more, you know, safe spaces on campus, mm-hmm. uh, inclusive uh, environments, uh, taking into account uh, DEI initiatives uh, to be able to have more faculty uh, and, and staff that uh, are of the same socioeconomic background of our student base. Uh, so that they can, those students can see those folks as mentors and leaders more relatable to their own background, uh, and, and be inspired. That's the, the majority of it. The, the rest of it is, you know, making sure they have those fun events yeah. and, uh, and we still get those concerts and shows going for them as well. So mm-hmm. the students living on campus and close to campus are still enjoying, uh, all their time here. That's so important. And I know that that still is a shift with everything changing and kind of goes back to what you were talking about with the um, mandates and, you know, masking and vaccinations and all that. So how does that tie into all of that and their success as well? The new normal we're in now, the vast majority of our schools are are predominantly online, uh, if not uh, right. at least 40 percent online uh, mm-hmm. in Zoom classes. That does create a hindrance to have that ability of, of having those large events. Some students don't return to Humboldt County to come to class if they're just registering online right. and they're staying in Southern California. It, it does create that that hurdle for them to have that college-going experience. And right. it falls on us to start opening up more online activities for the students to be able to participate in, mm-hmm. uh, more I guess as professionals, we're all used to the webinars, uh, yeah. but 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 tweaking them so it's appealing to the students and an event that they would like to attend, uh, yeah. and then having those students that are on campus having I- events as well. Even though we've got a smaller population to serve, still mm-hmm. making sure that they aren't missing out because the the, the price point isn't there mm-hmm. on a larger population being able to go to a large event. I would say those are the the hurdles we need to overcome 
mm-hmm. uh, and we're we're making significant strides. Our our student affairs division uh, and enrollment management division here at Humboldt State and uh, where I was at, at Arizona Western College previously, they've been coming through uh, with with new initiatives and new activities for students uh, that can be done in larger outdoor spaces so yeah. people can be spaced out, be safe, uh, and feel comfortable attending a show or, mm-hmm. or, or a seminar outdoors so that they can uh, still benefit from being in college and, and those ancillary uh, experiences that aren't necessarily the classroom-driven stuff. It's a shift. I mean, we've had to to make some major shifts in, in all that and how we think and, and how we move forward. Now, let's go back. Let's talk about the road that led you to being a CBO. I'm sure when you were, you know, a young a young man, you were dreaming of this, right? <laughs> this was your dream. Was that is that how that went? Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, I can say it, it was a, a happy accident uh, okay. that, I, that I even ended up working in, in higher education. When I was completing graduate school uh, for my MBA, uh, I had uh, aspirations to go into corporate banking. Okay. That was in 2008. And it, for those that remember that great recession of oh, yeah. 2008 kicked off right there, mm-hmm. I couldn't get an interview at a corporate bank if I paid them. Wow. So it was a really tough time. And my backup plan was always to go into teaching uh, as it's always been a passion of mine from when I was a TA in my undergrad classes. I took that opportunity to put my master's to use and applied to teach and uh, at a for-profit uh, school. And mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the, the folks there said, you know, we don't think you should teach for us. We'd much rather you come join us uh, operationally and in our accounting department. And it just kind of snowballed from there. From there. So uh, it was a, a happy accident. I mm-hmm. had no idea. Uh, as many of our students have no idea about the inner workings of an institution of higher ed. Right. Uh, and it's, I, I, I just feel like I fell into a groove of, of comfort with regulations and finance uh, that, that I, I was able to be very successful in. And, and I think it's just destiny yeah. uh, is, is all I could say. And I'm, I'm really happy with it. Uh, there's not a day that has gone by uh, that I regret my decision of of going into higher ed, and I found while I might not be teaching and mm-hmm. making that direct impact on students' lives, uh, I'm in a position where I'm able to impact a lot more students by making uh, decisions and 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 finding financing for new initiatives for them to enjoy their college going experience or uh, provide more academic options for them. You know, I like how you said a happy accident. I I like that term. But I know that I'm sure there was a mentor. There was somebody talking to you about this. So tell me a little bit more about mentorship and your philosophy about that. At the first school I was at, the the president of the the school, Dr. Paul Afshar, took me under his wing Mm -hmm. and and really just kind of sat me down and, and we would have conversations you know, for a meeting that would start at four and the conversation would go on until eight o'clock at night uh, mm-hmm. in his office, just shifting from what our topic was to uh, higher ed administration in general, uh, the federal regulations, working with the state, uh, working with the, the various politicians that, um, that support the cause and, and, and trying to garner more support uh, for, for new academic initiatives 
And it was with his mentorship that, that I, I, my passion for education grew. And it was also through his mentorship that I began to see the business of education. Mm-hmm. We typically don't see education as a business, but it right. is. It's still got a budget. It's, it still has to make a return. You know, if we're in the private sector, uh, we, we have shareholders. Uh, we need to make sure are happy at the end of the day. And in the public sector, our taxpayers need to be happy with how we're spending their money. Mm-hmm. So it's that, uh, that fine balance of the business of education that, that really drew me in and with Dr. Afshar's mentorship. And I'd say really, Every school I've been at, the president has played a role in, in, in shaping me. At Arizona Western College, where I was before here, mm-hmm. uh, their president, Dr. Daniel Kaur, he had uh, also taken the time to, to sit and speak with me at length on, on, on different management styles. And, and there's some things that I took away from him mm-hmm. that I still put in practice here at Humboldt State that made me a better CFO when I was at Arizona Western. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and those are the, the small things like the charitable interpretation and, and giving folks the benefit of the doubt, uh, that when they come to you with a problem or a crisis, they aren't coming to you. Uh, don't immediately assume it's self-serving. Don't immediately assume something bad. Give it to them the full charity of what they're bringing to you being authentic and true, uh, in every situation and, and go for, go forward from there. I know we typically have a tendency to to believe when someone's coming to ask for money, it's uh, it's not always the best of intentions or or well thought out, and that is a pitfall to progression in in our field. And we really mm-hmm. need to move forward from from that sense with the charitable interpretation. Uh, the other thing that Dr. Kaur uh, instilled in me is finding the road to yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of being presented with a a concern or an issue, it is, and and simply saying no, uh, the best thing we can do is is tell the requester, you know, mm-hmm. I don't see the way you're presenting it working. However, if we go X, Y, and Z path, we can probably make this work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's involve more stakeholders. Let's see what we can do to get your problem to yes, yeah. uh, and and to 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 get on that road successfully. So. Uh, I would say those are two things that he he instilled in me that I carry and I potentially will carry and I continue to share with with others. Uh, I I'm a firm believer that had I not had uh, those folks take the time and invest in me to to become better in my field, I wouldn't be where I am. And yeah. I I'm consistently trying to share what I can uh, to my my set of leaders or mm-hmm. anybody within any of the divisions that that I oversee or anybody throughout the institution that's interested to to come in and and talk and and talk things through even if it's a matter of completely outside of my wheelhouse mm-hmm. uh for for this institution and, and in general but yeah. just to have that conversation and get those gears turning uh mm-hmm. to inspire them to to further research and move forward in their fields and their areas of expertise i feel we have a duty to everybody within our organization to continue to mentor folks, be supportive mm-hmm. as we can. Because at the end of the day, it's like the saying Henry Ford had it. And I believe it was when asked, why train your people if they're only going to leave? And he said, wouldn't it be worse if you didn't train them and they stayed? Mm. Yeah. And so I, I see that in, you know, in, in our obligations to, to mentor 
uh, folks throughout our organizations mm-hmm. for our own succession and to make sure that uh, the greater purpose and the mission of the university and colleges continue after we retire and, and, and move on. I love your passion about that. I can definitely feel that you're definitely passionate about mentorship. So that's really good. And and as we're speaking about that, I know you had a few resources that you felt were helpful in your growth. And so can you tell us a little bit about some of those things that you shared with us, some of the books that you thought that helped you grow in your career? There's a couple of books. They're, they're easy reads. Many of them are on Audible. So, so mm-hmm. if you're like me and you, you're, the, the, you're the driver and you like to drive rather than fly, you just listen to one of them on the, on the, on the drive and it's the best pastime, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I would say uh, Lencioni's uh, Five Dysfunctions of a Team, mm-hmm. uh, Carol Dweck's uh, Growth Mindset, and uh, Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. Uh, those would be the three most influential books that I've read uh, as a leader that uh, I believe framed how I am and how I manage uh, today. They are really the books that, that you read and your mind is blown. You are not, if, you, if you've never read a, a management book or you've, you've read those typical ones that you might get in your uh, MBA program, this is definitely a new way of thinking and, uh, and they're all very productive. I don't think there's much to any of them that would be controversially wrong. They're ex- all three experts in their field and uh, excellent uh, authors. Uh, and these books, I would say, are amongst their best. They've written others, mm-hmm. but uh, I would say these three books are, are the must-reads for any aspiring leader. Okay. I hope you guys are taking notes. Those are great resources. So quickly, before we close, tell us about your future. What is your vision for your future in uh, your role? Wow. Uh, six months into my new role. Uh, and so I'm, you know, quite, quite honestly, I believe my, uh, future here is really to try and find new ways of, of innovation and, uh, entrepreneurship throughout the university, Mm -hmm. uh, expanding more, uh, avenues for revenue outside Mm -hmm. of just traditional student tuition, uh, so that we can a subsidize and reduce student tuition, but B, also be able to fund more initiatives throughout the university uh, for our growth. And uh, for those that, that may not be aware, uh, Humboldt State University is in the progress of seeking approval to become the third Cal Poly uh, and will become a, hopefully become a California Polytechnic University in the coming months. And it's going to our board of trustees for approval. So uh, I don't know when this airs. Hopefully... Yeah. Uh, this airs after that uh, yeah. happens because it'll be great news for us. Uh, yes. But um, really pushing that uh, university, becoming the, the, the non-traditional university for, for revenue generation and uh, as well as uh, cost efficiencies. Awesome. Well, man, it's been so insightful and enjoyable talking with you. You shared so much with us. I'm excited about what you're doing as well. It's only six months, but you are really doing a lot. And I'm just I'm just grateful for the conversation. And, you know, you can find out more about Sharu's and today's episode by visiting podcasts at nakubo.org under professional development, then click online education. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks on Apple Podcasts so you can get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Sharuz uh, and myself, I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks. Be well. 
Thank you for joining us today. I'm Susan Wheeler Johnston, President and CEO of the National Association of College and University Business Officers. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of research and tools at nakubo.org. I hope you enjoy the podcast. <music>